Shalom. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I am Shmuley Yanklowitz, President and Dean of Valley Beit Midrash. Here at VBM, we strive to bring you only the highest quality of Jewish learning. Bringing pluralistic and innovative Jewish programming to the Jewish community that craves substance and insight is our passion. But we cannot do it alone. To support our endeavors, please consider donating a tax-deductible contribution to our organization. By doing so, you will be supporting meaningful Jewish educational content, funding the next generation of leaders, as well as furthering Jewish wisdom to people all over the country and all over the world. Please visit www.valleybatemadrash.org. Thank you so much and enjoy the program. Shalom, shalom. Rabbi Dr. Alan Brill is the Cooperman Ross Endowed Chair for Jewish Christian Studies at Seton Hall University, where he teaches Jewish studies in the Department of Religion and the Jewish Christian Studies Graduate Program. He specializes in interfaith theology, Jewish mysticism, modern Jewish thought, and contemporary Jewish orthodoxy, and offers courses in medieval and modern Jewish thought, Jewish mysticism, interfaith encounter, and Jewish theology. He recently returned to the United States after a summer of teaching Judaism in Indonesia. Rabbi Brill has been a, uh, a, 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 an enormous scholar and a mentor to me in many ways. So I'm thrilled to have this time with you. Thank you for making time. My pleasure. So as mentioned, you just returned from Indonesia, and I think many will be fascinated to hear about that. Um, and, uh, you know, Indonesia being the, the, the nation with the largest Muslim population in the world. So I'd love to ask, what was it about Judaism that you did you teach to your students? And how did they react to this? Okay, so those are separate questions. But first, how did I get there? This was actually a project of the uh, AJC, the American Jewish Committee together with the university there. They wanted someone to teach Judaism. They felt it's essential for moving interfaith and multi-faith thinking forward. And the American Jewish Committee has an Asian desk, but they've really never gone out of the capital to actually be embedded in somewhat within the country itself. So between the two of them, they got together, said they want somebody, and I became the person they wanted, okay? Amazing. What did, what did I teach? Well, there's, there's two levels to the teaching. On one hand, I taught a graduate course at the major university, Gajumata University in Yogyakarta. And that's where everybody gets their master's and doctorates who are going into education. I mean, the same way you could go to a Jewish school for your master's in education before you become a principal, or same thing a Catholic gets the master's before you become it. So too, this is the major university. So there I was teaching the future heads. But beyond that, that's Mondays and Wednesdays. The rest of the week, I would be travel out to Islamic colleges on several islands all over. I traveled up to Suezi, in which I would go into an Islamic college and I would give, I mean, these are only BA level, not, not graduate level, in which I would give a lecture on Judaism. And the tr- turnout, first of all, was people were thinking 30, 40, 50. I got 200, 160. I got huge turnouts. What I did was basically first introducing myself. You know, I, I'm Jewish from New York, the world's biggest Jewish city, etc. cetera. Um, you know, and explaining how Jewish traders came to Indonesia in the Middle Ages including Rambam's brother. And then I would deal with the thing is, 
here is where Judaism is similar, similar to Islam. Then I would repeat that in a more historic way, kalam, fatwa, sharia, compared to halacha, Jewish thought. Then I would do a little historic background of Middle Ages, good and bad. And then how this great synthesis broke down in the age of colonialism and nationalism, leading to the fact that there are very few Jews in Muslim countries. So that's my really religion, texts, history. And then I would end off on talking about interfaith initiatives now. And I have a closing story about one of my contemporary, my current doctoral students, current graduate students, who's doing a doctorate in Judaism, and he's from Azerbaijan, and he wants to go back and become a professor of Judaism in a Muslim country, and that there's a growing movement for that. So that's what I talked about. Yeah, excellent. So how did they react to that? So React was completely wild. It was, I don't know how to assess it. I'm still going to try. They don't know how to assess it. I got large turnouts, many, many questions, completely as if I showed up. You know, I don't, it's not as big an event, but there's a certain point that 125 years ago, back when uh, America thought Asian religions were all just pagan, and Swami Vivekananda showed up at the World Parliament of Religion in 1893 and said, here is meditation, here's all these attractive things in India. There was some sort of element there like, wow, there's Judaism, we really never heard about it. There are no books of the topic, we've never known this history. There's so much wisdom here, there's so much to talk about. And they really wanted to talk. And they're really excited by it. There are some out there, so reactions. The reactions is people prime me for the sort of questions, be prepared, be prepared in case you have to discuss Israel-Palestine. These are 20-year-old kids. They're asking me, what do, what do, what do Jews in America think of um, LGBT? What, where do we stand on feminism? Where do we stand on political issues? Is there anti-Semitism in America? They did not go in the places you thought they would go in. Right, right. They okay. wanted a lot more. They wanted a lot more, though, of actual show and tell. If I if I prepared differently, I would have brought a slideshow of this is Philin, Talit. These are women's hair coverings. This is a Jewish marriage. That's what they wanted quite a bit of besides their general questions. Okay, fascinating. So you said many of them knew very little to nothing about Judaism. Those who knew, knew something or thought they knew something, what were some of their preconceived notions and did you ever have to dispel any of those? So first of all, they knew much less than you think. There are only like three books in Indonesian on Judaism, one by Abba Ibn, one by Moshe Dayan, of any two intro to Judaisms, the fact that those are the only two available, and one by a Christian scholar from Holland, they knew very little. There was very little to dispel them on. They were not that interested in the theological questions, Moses versus Muhammad. That's not really what interested them. The uh, Really, they, they knew less, and they were just interested in the whole topic. If there's anything, there's an older crowd, meaning older teachers, who asked me to address topics 
but the students weren't interested in it. Meaning there is among the Islamicists, going back to Al-Qutab and other Islamicists, there is this theory that Jews control the West and there's a secret society and that everything that goes on is really for Jewish interest. And the reason that George W. Bush was attacking uh, Iraq was because of the Jew, because it's really a Jewish society. But that's what the older, older crowd wanted me to address. The students already had very little knowledge of that. Uh-huh. Okay, fascinating. So, so just to give us some context, how, how is Islam as practiced and as believed in Indonesia different from um, Islam in other countries in general? Okay, so I'm going to give it to you in several levels. On one level, it's a openly syncretic Islam. You have Islamic animists and Islams who practice Hindu practices. Clifford Geertz, the anthropologist, put out a book in the 60s on religion in Java, basically said it's an Islamic veneer on the older religions. Now everyone disagrees with it and says, no, it's a real Islam, but one that's truly a culture and open to their own indigenous culture. Um, So that's level one. Level two is their very laid back Catholic Israel communal sense of what Islam means. They don't go looking to the books. They don't care about Islamicists or what Arabists say. They trust their own sense. They're, like I said, they're very mellow. You know, the Islamic colleges even are not arranged as a midrasa. It's arranged as we call a historic school where you take courses on the history of Islam or Islamic education. So it's very much academically one removed. Um, On a third level, if you ask them, what about this law, about what about that law, that you hear some strict Salafi or Wahhabi law that someone's keeping, they just say that doesn't apply to us. That's their world, it's not our Islam. So one that was really funny, which, which I kept asking over and over, okay, so, the older generation, the baby boomer women, do not wear hijabs. The younger ones all do, and it rather irks the older generation. But at the same time, the younger generation are doing doctorates on ecofeminism and are more educated. And the, the turn to a little greater traditionalism, they don't see as anything that takes away. But when they did Instagram, it's a big Instagram country. And so there are hundreds of pictures of me up there on Instagram posing with all sorts of college women. And they would all put their arm around me. And I said, is that permitted to shake hands or to put your arm around me? Because you cannot do that in most Muslim countries. And they say, yeah, we're not Salafi. We have no problems with that. Um, So that's the point is almost anything you're going to ask, you're going to get that sort of answer. Okay. Okay. So on a a religious level, you talked about how they're not as affected by other versions of Islam in many ways. But on a political level, how has globalization and colonialism uh, kind of changed their, their Muslim practice in any ways? Well, colonialism and globalization are 300 years apart or 400 years yes, apart. Yes, exactly, right. Which, which, are we talking about the 17th century or the 21st? Yeah, right. Probably better to look at, at the last few decades. Okay. 
So they had a restricted, okay. So in order to become a modern country, they created an idea that all religions, meaning Islam, Protestant, Catholics, Buddhist, and Hindu, all believe in one God, all have revelation and all have scripture. And therefore, they all of them have been made in a way that they're in some way equivalent of unifiers of God. And there's a tolerance for each other. And that's built into the education system, the political system. In the last 20 years, they've had more of bringing back more indigenous elements, breaking out of this tight role. And so rather than this government, here are the five official religions. Now it's six, they've added Confucianism. A lot of schools want to break out and say, where's Judaism? Because so much of the Jewish, Christian and Muslim narratives include Jews. So, for example, the Muslim school in Yoga Karta is going to have a course in Judaism this fall. It's not one of the official religions in the country, but for their greater sense of, of tolerance and understanding and for understanding religion as a whole, they want greater knowledge of Judaism. Mm -hmm. Okay, very interesting. So you started to touch on this, but what does, what does anti-Semitism and, uh, and anti-Israel sentiment look like? Okay, so a lot of that is tied in with the Islamicists who are coming from Arabia and coming from Yemen. There, there are outside instigators, and there are those recruit. There are recruitment for Daesh within the country. However, that's political elements. It's not really their Islam. Most. I actually spoke to one Islamicist. He was completely a secularist growing up. He was a secularist in college. He was a major in English literature, and then he realized there has to be an Islamic state. Mm -hmm. But he knew the least about his own Islam. And that's part of the, the importance here of understanding that element. On the other hand, when America started bombing Iraq 17 years ago, that's when there were protests against the synagogue in Surabaya on Java, as if the synagogue stood for President Bush. So it, it's, a, it's not the anti-Semitism we think of here, and that gets back to the older um, professors who wanted me to address that, that deep Islamicist as the deep anti-Jewish narrative in which the United States and Bush and Clinton and Reagan are all tied up with Judaism. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, fascinating. So, all right, my uh, last question for you here. I, know, uh, I must put it there. You know that the Indonesian government is very involved trying to clamp down on it very harshly, which I'm not going to go into. Okay, okay, very interesting. My, okay, so my last question for you, based on your summer teaching Judaism in Indonesia, what are your takeaways? Where is there more opportunity for Jewish-Indonesian relations, for Jewish-Muslim relations? What is something you would want to advocate for more of? Well, so there's a certainly opening. They're all designing courses that include Judaism. There were students there who showed me their Hebrew books and their Hebrew T-shirts. There are this, all these things like triangulating outside of Christianity by, by you know, Arab studiers by turning to Hebrew. And there was quite a bit of that. 
There's quite a bit of knowledge and interest in it. But it's really a beginning for a country, the world's biggest Muslim country, that has, not counting expats, less than 20 Jews. So they don't really have much exposure at all. And they have very little book exposure either. So it's wide open. I assume when the country builds a new capital, which they're about to, which will be a site of great globalization and industrialization, that capital will be like Singapore, Hong Kong, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, which are growing Jewish communities. I mean, I was in Dubai, Abu Dhabi in December, and you have this you know, incredible growing Jewish community because of business. Yeah. So I assume they're going to go the way of that, but it's not going to happen in the more rural areas. Fascinating. Amazing work you're doing. Thank you for taking this time to share. Okay. Okay. Thank you.